This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up, and we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, including some errata on my Sony Blu-ray player review. Net neutrality ends today. Amazon is dominating tablet sales, surprisingly, or maybe not. Why should you buy movies on discs? And we'll also look at Dolby Vision versus HDR10. Lots to talk about now, so let's get to it. And I want to begin by thanking our newest members here on the channel who contributed via Patreon, Danny Ur Lee and Mr. Heba Toba. I want to thank both of them for their support of the channel, along with everyone who has been supporting the channel on a regular basis over the last couple of years, as well as everyone who watches on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And this week's wrap-up is being brought to you by GearBest.com. They've got some new stuff to check out, which we'll talk about here real quick. The first is something we're going to be uh, looking at here on the channel maybe later this week or early next, which is a new notebook for 300 bucks powered by a Gemini Lake processor. Next gen is now, as they say. This one comes from Jumper. So we'll hopefully be getting this one in in a couple of days from GearBest, and we'll have a full review of that. And this one caught my eye also. It's on sale at the moment. This is the Chewy G-Box Mini PC, which is also powered by one of those Gemini Lake chips. So we're now seeing uh, the start of these mini PCs coming out with these Gemini Lake processors, uh, similar to what we had on those Intel NUCs. But these are, I think, a little lower-powered versions of it. But we'll hopefully be getting both the laptop and the mini PC in soon to take a look. So definitely check it out over at GearBest, and that's an affiliate link. So let's take a look at the week in review, and on the Extras channel, we unbox the Nokia Sleep, which is something I hope to get to a little later this week. It's a sleep tracker that uh, works independently, so you don't have to have a watch on or anything at night. We also did a mini review of the Belkin Boost Up Qi review. This is a charging stand, which I've been now using for the last couple of uh, weeks, actually, and What's nice is that you can take your phone and just kind of stick it in there. It doesn't really have a particular place it needs to be centered on, and it charges your phone and works as a stand, too. I've been really pleased with it, so you can see my review of it uh, on the Extras channel. On the main channel, we've got my Sony DVD player review. We also have our latest edition of the podcast. I interviewed AFTV News' Elias Saba, who got his site started around the same time I started this channel. We talk all about the Amazon ecosystem, including content and hardware. Uh, Really fun discussion with one of my favorite creators out there. So check out that podcast. You can get it in audio form on my podcast feed as well. And we did a review of the Acer Chromebook 11 uh, for this year. This is the same as it was last year for the most part, but they uh, did up the processor. And it also gave me an opportunity to take a look and see uh, where the Chrome OS is going insofar as its Android integration is concerned. I think I'm getting in a really inexpensive Chromebook a little later this week through Walmart. Uh, So we'll have another one to look at very shortly. I do want to get more Chromebook reviews going because I think they're really going somewhere with this platform, and I want to keep covering it. So let me know if you have any that I should be looking out for. 
for. Now, I did want to give you a little bit of a rata on the Sony Blu-ray player. Uh, this player is $200 but supports Dolby Vision HDR. Uh, it's one of the two lesser expensive devices now to do so. I think uh, Philips now has a player that was updated recently to support it as well. Now, in the review, I stated uh, that it would switch out of Dolby Vision mode if you put in a non-Dolby Vision Blu-ray disc. Unfortunately, it does not do that. I must have turned off the setting when I was running my testing, and I thought it was doing it, but it isn't. I am hoping that they will fix it. Uh, so that it will uh, only go into Dolby Vision mode when the disc supports it and then switch out of it when it does not. So right at the moment, you've got to toggle that setting on or off uh, depending on the movie that you have inserted into the player. Uh, so it doesn't really change my outlook of the player right now. I've only got one Dolby Vision movie on uh, Blu-ray at the moment, but I'm sure uh, they will update the firmware as time goes on. This Dolby Vision feature, by the way, was added only about two weeks ago, so hopefully they can keep... Uh, updating that feature to make it work a little bit better. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 66 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And on my mind today is something that I think will have tremendous uh, risk perhaps to my business and many others, which is the end of net neutrality. It ends today. Actually, it is gone right now as I am recording this. Now, of course, nothing's going to happen immediately. I think any one of these ISPs would be foolish to start implementing fast lanes and throttling right this minute, but I do think over the course of the next couple of months or perhaps over the next year or two, we will see a gradual erosion of the neutral net as we knew it. Uh, you can check out Weekly Wrap-Up 178 for some of my predictions on what I think is going to happen. I do think a lot of this will revolve around data caps and giving consumers options for getting around those caps by consuming media from preferred content creators. And this is my biggest fear, actually, uh, the artificial gatekeeper thing. So we'll have to see where it goes, but I don't think it's going to be good for independent content creators at all. But I'm not just concerned about ISPs. I'm also worried about the platform providers like Google, Facebook, and Apple who control uh, what billions of people see every day. And one of the things Apple talked about at their Worldwide Developer Conference this week is that they are only putting trusted sources in Apple News in front of their users. But who determines what a trusted source is? Apple does, and that is a worrying thing. Do people pay to be trusted? How do you get evaluated? And what are the criteria that they put in place there? My big concern here is that we're going to have gatekeeping going on in the network side, but also gatekeeping happening within these platforms where if you're not big enough to get noticed by these editors at these different platforms like Google, Facebook, and Apple, you may not get your content in front of people. And that is, of course, going to put a lot of independent creators at a disadvantage. But thankfully, YouTube is still putting videos in front of all of you, and you have questions and discussions. And our first discussion uh, comes in from uh, Stephanie McKeon based on something I posted on my Facebook group. So as I was uh, out researching some questions to ask Elias about the Amazon ecosystem, I was surprised to learn that Amazon has taken the number two place of tablet manufacturers worldwide, uh, second only to Apple. In fact, they just knocked off Samsung. And Stephanie was surprised they're not number one with all the bundle sales that they've been doing uh, with their tablets lately. Uh, there's a great article on VentureBeat that kind of summarizes the last quarter of this year where Amazon uh, beat out Samsung. They had a significant amount of growth in their uh, market share with their tablets. And there's no surprise as to why that is. Uh, you can get the 7-inch tablet now for $40. 
I reviewed this a little while ago. It's pretty functional. In fact, my daughter uses the one on the far right there with the uh, big bumper on it. Uh, the, the kids' version is pretty much the same as the uh, regular $40 version, but they give you a warranty that includes damage for two years. It's a really good deal given that the kid is likely going to break it. Surprisingly, uh, this tablet has been dropped and caked with yogurt and all sorts of stuff, and it is still fully functional. It has yet to break despite the fact that this thing gets a beating. Uh, so they put, put together some pretty nice little tablets. We reviewed the Fire HD 10 a couple of months ago, and that one was also very impressive. And again, very reasonably priced devices here that are significantly less expensive than the iPad. And what's really surprising to me is that despite how expensive the iPad is, Apple is still shipping a lot of them. But look at the market growth here. Uh, Apple only grew about 0.6% uh, over the fourth quarter in the prior year. Remember, the fourth quarter is the holiday season where most people buy this kind of stuff. So it gives you a really good indication as to where consumer interest lies. And here you can see Amazon uh, growing their market share by 50%. So that holiday bundling that they did uh, certainly made a huge impact. And I think they are going places. It's funny, too, that Amazon, using uh, the Android OS as the kind of base base operating system of their device is able to do something Google cannot do. In fact, Google uh, is no longer listing tablets on their store anymore because there just isn't enough interest in them to continue that part of the Android market. But Amazon clearly figured out a way to do it. And our next set of questions involves movies on discs. Yes, there are still people, Mr. Black, that buy uh, their movies in physical form. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, so let's explore why you might want to go with a disc versus a digital service provider. And there was a great discussion here that erupted on the channel about this. You're welcome to join in on that or take it to the Facebook group as well. Now, there's a great comparison on the HDTV Test YouTube channel where they look at the output of a 4K Blu-ray and compare it to what you might get out of an Apple TV at 4K. Uh, both of these sources were Dolby Vision sources in his video, and he does a very nice job giving a good comparison. The reality for most consumers is that there isn't going to be a huge difference that they're going to notice. If you just got a 4K TV and connect up this Apple TV and get the Dolby Vision going, it's going to look spectacular, uh, better than what you had with your uh, 1080p movies running on your old uh, LED set. But if you really start looking in at the details, things do look better on disc. And here is why. Uh, iTunes will only stream a max of 25 megabits per second to your home, provided your internet connection can sustain that. Uh, the movie is likely going to be encoded at a bit rate lower than 25, but that's what Apple recommends you have. And it will adjust the quality depending on conditions. So if your kid in the other room is downloading some game and it's uh, really saturating the connection and you don't have enough bandwidth, uh, iTunes will basically reduce the quality of the movie, and you may not be watching at 4K all the time. 4K Blu-ray, by comparison, is a, is a local uh, file being played back. Uh, runs at anywhere from 82 to 128 megabits per second, depending on how the disk is configured. Now, in both cases, uh, this is a variable bit rate. So in other words, you don't get 128 megabits per second all the time, but you get it when you need it, especially in fast motion scenes where a lot of visual information needs to be updated quickly. Both of these devices use the uh, newer H.265 HEVC codec. So this is a good 
uh, apples to apples comparison, pardon the pun, uh, in that HD TV test video. And the result is that you're going to get sharper images off the 4K Blu-ray. And if you want the best possible quality, you're not going to get better than that at the moment. And of course, if you can't sustain that 25 megabits per second, you will not be able to get the movie in the quality that you paid for. And I think that's something where Blu-ray has a significant advantage in that you don't have to send the data anywhere. It's all taking place inside your player and outputting through that HDMI cable. So for people who are bandwidth impaired, uh, this is certainly a way to enjoy your films in the best possible image quality. Now this is nothing new by the way, having the best possible image quality. Uh, back in my day, I used to watch laser discs on my home theater system in the 90s and this was a very expensive format. Uh, the players, the receivers that played back the uh, Dolby Digital Audio were not cheap back then, and the movies were pretty expensive too. I think they were running about $50 a piece depending on the film, but the quality was significantly greater than what you would have on a VHS tape. And back then, most of the market was on VHS. It was good enough for them, like streaming is, I think, for most consumers, but there was a subset of the market, a large enough subset to sustain making these discs at quantity uh, that was willing to pay more for the best possible quality. And I do think as our TVs get better and better and cheaper and cheaper, the differences in quality are going to become more and more noticeable to consumers. And once you pop one of those discs in, it's a whole new world. Now, one other thing about discs that I really like right now is that many studios are supporting the Movies Anywhere service, and this is a great deal. Uh, so you buy your 4K Blu-ray, most of them are also coming with the 1080p Blu-ray in the box, so you immediately have uh, two really high quality formats, depending on what player you're going to put them in. But then, with the Movies Anywhere thing, you type in a code and it puts your movie onto most of the major services. So Apple, Amazon, Google, Vudu, I think a couple of others now are included in the mix too. So you get that movie everywhere, uh, which is why they call it Movies Anywhere, and you can watch it on any device that you want. Uh, for that single purchase. So you pay a little bit more for the physical copy, but you do get a lot more uh, as a result of that. And I think it's a tremendous value for movie lovers out there. Now, our next question comes in from Mr. Gardo PR in regards to the differences between 1080p movies and 4K movies. And he notes uh, that the HDR color does make a difference. It's a deeper color. You get better contrast between dark and light areas of the screen, and it looks fantastic. And you do notice the difference, especially if you uh, put in that 1080p disc and watch it on the same television. Uh, now, he notes that Dolby Vision, in his opinion, uh, doesn't look much better than HDR10. He thinks it's just in my mind, but I don't agree. I think there is a difference. And I was very closely watching the new uh, Star Wars movie in both formats, and it does look a little better in Dolby Vision if your TV and your player, of course, support that format. And the reason is, is that Dolby Vision is an active HDR. It is passing metadata to the television, telling the TV exactly what the director is trying to achieve in the scene, and the TV adjusts itself to get to that point. And some movies are going to do this better than others are. So you could have a Dolby Vision movie that's a total dud because they didn't make enough use of this uh, active metadata they're passing to the television to make it look better. 
Uh, but I think in the long run, it is going to be uh, the preferred format. And of course, the folks behind the regular HDR10 format will be doing their own active version of this soon. So the format wars will continue. Uh, the format is no longer the disc type that you're choosing. It's now the color type that they're putting on the players and the movies that you're purchasing. And this uh, comment came in in response to that last one. And uh, one point that Logan Scott here makes is that once we move away from the current 10-bit panels and go to the 12-bit panels, uh, the differences between HDR10 and Dolby Vision will be more significant. And that's because the same data that's driving these really high-end 12-bit projectors at the theater is going to be delivered to your television in the same way. And again, just having the ability for the director to really direct uh, how the image looks irrespective of the viewing platform, I think is tremendously interesting to me. And uh, I think will really drive a lot of enthusiasts moving forward on this format. So there's a lot more to come out. If you bought a TV, you'll probably have to buy another one, especially if you're an enthusiast. But for me, my 10-bit uh, OLED up there looks pretty darn nice, and I am quite pleased with it overall. Now, my Q&A for you this week is what do you prefer to watch your movies on? Uh, do you buy them digitally? Do you do the movies anywhere thing like I've been doing? I'd love to hear from you and find out how you like to consume all of your favorite films. Now, our channel of the week this week is unrelated to movies, but it does involve video games. And, of course, this week is the big E3 show where all the latest games get announced. And I've been really watching uh, Wood over the last couple of years build up his beat-em-ups channel to the point where he is on a exponential growth curve right now. Uh, he's doing a great job covering the Nintendo Switch, which is my favorite game console at the moment, and he's been recommending a lot of great games, both uh, commercial AAA titles and indie games for me to try out, so I've been appreciative of his uh, input on that. And he's doing something really fun this week, as well as a number of other creators too, which is covering the E3 show uh, from his home with live streams. And what they do is they uh, grab the Xbox live stream, for example, and just have a bunch of people tune in as he watches it and have a nice community conversation around that. Happy Console Gamer has been doing this along with a number of other creators too. And it's really nice to be able to cover events in this way because in some ways you can get more done not going to the show than you can by actually being there. And one of the frustrations I often have when I go to these big shows, whether it's CES or uh, PAX East or whatever, is that it's very hard to cover these things and get your content up quick enough uh, but because you can uh, take the stream and essentially rebroadcast it with your commentary, uh, you can really get a, a lot of uh, good coverage done and really engage with your community at the same time. So if you're looking to build up your channel, no matter what it is, I think looking at some of the big industry shows that are going on and finding a way to cover it without actually being there might actually do better for you than going there in person, even though it is kind of fun to be in one of those press conferences and see it happen all live. So check out Beat 'em Ups, great channel, especially for Nintendo Switch fans. Now, this week, I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I'm probably not going to get to all of it, but I have a bunch of things ready to shoot, so I'm really excited about that. I've been sleeping on this thing over the last week or so. This is the Nokia Sleep, and this is a sleep tracker that you put under your mattress, and it somehow manages to figure out when you fall asleep. So we'll see how accurate it is uh, in my full review, which you'll see a little later this week. I also got in this thing, which was initially going to go on the Extras channel, but it's actually good enough for me to put it on this one with, I think, a, uh, you know, a, a decent recommendation. This is another one of these little mini keyboard touchpads. Uh, we looked at that Lenovo one, which had really nice keys with the capacitive thing on top, so you could use the uh, keyboard as the trackpad. 
but it was expensive, about $100 or so. Uh, this one's 20 bucks. It's got uh, tactile keys. It is backlit, uh, and it's got a trackpad on the back, and it really works pretty nicely. So you're going to be seeing that uh, later on this week as well. Uh, we also hope to get to the Lenovo X1 tablet. This is the latest generation of their ThinkPad tablet. It's kind of like a Microsoft Surface device. We've got to find a battery for the pen. So once we get that, uh, we'll get that review going. I also got in this Smart Hub, or Smart Switch, I should say, uh, that has a very nice app-based interface for configuring it. I don't like the fact that the app-based interface works over the cloud, but we'll see if you can turn that off. I haven't yet taken it out and looked at it yet, but I am eager to try this because it does implement VLANs and link aggregation, and I think there's some uh, ways that you can really learn how all of this uh, you know, more advanced networking works with this product. It's only 100 bucks, and the interface is really sharp on it, so we'll be looking at that. And I also hope to get to, probably next week now, the Synology DS1618 Plus. Uh, this is a more affordable six-bay NAS device, and I would love to get some feedback from you as to what you'd like covered with this one. Uh, it is Intel-powered. Uh, not so good, though, as a media server because the chip doesn't support uh, quick-sync transcoding, which means it's not going to be very useful as a Plex server, unfortunately, but I think it's more of a a uh, small business kind of device, but let me know what you'd like to see in that review. I do hope to start working on that a little later this week. Now, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or one-time contribution via my donor box page. you also find Patreon information there as well. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required. We get a small commission. We get a slightly larger commission if you sign up for a Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else. We also have other channels you can follow me on, including my extras channel for unboxings, small reviews, and supplementary content. My audio podcast feed has this show and my monthly podcast on there. A lot of you have been finding that, so I appreciate you all tuning into the podcast. We have my snippets channel where I take portions of this show and upload them in a search-friendly fashion. Uh, that one we've been doing a little bit more on lately. And we have my live stream archive at lon.tv slash live streams. And it is something, as I keep saying every week, uh, we do plan to be doing more of in the future. I'm beginning to build a list of topics for live streams that I'd like to do. I want these to be produced endeavors and that I'm not just sitting here talking and taking, I want to take questions, of course, but I want to make it a little bit more interesting where we do something uh, every week, cover a product or do some kind of product install and then uh, work the Q&A into it. So I'm trying to do a little bit more than just popping up live and uh, sitting here. So uh, be on the lookout at some point. Uh, if you click on that bell, you'll get notified whenever I go live or do anything. Uh, so please be sure to do that because subscribing no longer ensures that you get everything that I produce. So that bell click will help a lot. We also have my email list at lon.tv slash email. The Facebook page is at lon.tv slash Facebook. My Facebook group, which is uh, well over 300 people now, is at lon.tv slash Facebook group. Lots of great conversation in there on the things we cover here on the channel. And we have the store at lon.tv slash store. And I send out an email every time I update the store at lon.tv slash store alert. And this is where all the stuff that I have bought to review and I'm now done with is being resold at a discount. Uh, so you'll find, I think right now, I've got a 1080p curved monitor from Samsung in there. Uh, we also have the Intel Hades Canyon NUC that I bought, uh, which I fully configured and even put a Windows license on, so you can get a pretty good deal on that Hades Canyon NUC. If you don't like a price, email me. Let's haggle it out. It's kind of like a tag sale, so uh, let me know what you want to pay, and I'll let you know if I am willing to take that amount of money. So that's going to do it for this week here on the channel. 
Always an adventure happening here. Hopefully we'll get a lot of stuff done this week. Leave your questions and comments down below. I greatly appreciate all of your feedback, and I look forward to bringing you more crazy tech gadgets as the week progresses. Until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters of the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.